My name is Mark Vicente. I'm a director, producer, writer, and troublemaker. I'm not totally certain if the trouble finds me or I find it. I'm most known as the director of the film What the Bleep Do We Know, and as one of the Nixium whistleblowers featured in the HBO series The Vow. Let's just say I know a thing or two about cults. I don't consider myself a cult expert, but I'm definitely an expert in being screwed over, waking up, and knowing how to spot them. And let me tell you, they're everywhere. As you'll hear, I have a pretty salty approach to most things, and I'm utterly fascinated by the patterns in human behavior that create the best and the worst in society. I'm part geek, part rebel, and pissed off about a whole bunch of things. Join me as I unpack a whole range of topics to do with psychology, spirituality, consciousness, morality, cults, narcissistic abuse, science, filmmaking, and philosophy. You never quite know what you're going to get, as it really does depend on what the fuck is on my mind. All right, this is part two of the letter to the inside. I was thinking after I recorded part one, there are a few things I wanted to mention or clarify, two things. The one thing is people who've just seen news reports, read a few things online, um, a few news programs, but never saw The Vow, might be a little confused because I seem to be talking about a business program and you know a corporation and a bunch of things. And I think w- what happened is that because of the way media handled this whole situation, people think, oh, it's just a sex cult. But understand it wasn't a sex cult. It ended up being that, and it presented that way, and that's what um, helped take it down, the exposure of that. But it seemed to be a coaching program. It seemed to be a business program until we realized what it really was, at which point we left and blew the whistle. So just to clarify, if people are like, wait, what's he talking about? The other thing that I think is kind of important, I remember at the beginning of part one in my letter talking about that I knew certain things when I came out and that a lot more came out um, at the trial. When I started learning was when in 2017 I began reaching out to the woman that had left. That's when I truly began piecing together what had actually been going on for all these years because there were people that had left, you know, 10 five, you know, three years earlier who were terrified and were completely silent. Most of them, not all. Some, some were not silent. But when I began talking to them and comparing their stories and they began talking to each other, this horrible um, picture began emerging. So let's get into part two. The next section is entitled Mastermind. Nancy, I've heard reports of your accusations against me, that it seemed highly suspicious that I left in May and then DOS got exposed in June, that I am the grand mastermind of this blow-up. As if to suggest I somehow caused the blow-up. More on your accusations later. The blow-up couldn't possibly be because your lord and master was doing stupid, questionable, immoral, and abusive things, could it? Time to use the knife of Occam. Now... Just to explain, the knife was a 
part of Nexium, a part of ESP. It was called the Knife of Aristotle. And what it was, was an education to train people um, to look at media, to understand what was happening with media in terms of bias and slant and you know all kinds of, all the shit that media does. Which is so unfortunate because what Ranieri was doing was trying to um, prevent us trusting any press by showing how biased it was to protect himself. Now what sucks is a lot of the things we were talking about is exactly what the press does. There is, there is so much flat-out lying that occurs. Um, so that's what's so sad about some of these things. And many people that left still feel this way. There was, there was a lot of interesting stuff in there. It just got um, used for all the wrong reasons. So, time to use the knife of Occam. Really think it through. That's like Donald blaming everybody for his low approval ratings. His ratings are low because of what he's doing and the way he's behaving. Not a conspiracy. By the way, that was 2018. Um, I'm not sure where the hell things are right now in terms of his popularity. Your reported accusations against me are a reverse causality. Using the train metaphor, here's what actually happened back then. I saw the train was moving very, very fast towards a collision on the tracks, and it would likely derail. Anybody with a modicum of practical cause and effect understanding would have seen it. I try to tell the conductor to reconsider the trajectory and divert. The conductor ignored me. Hubris? I jumped off the speeding train, and further down the train track it began to derail, as I predicted it would. I did not cause the derailment, and for the life of me, I could not understand how so many did not see the signs. Now, in hindsight, I do understand why no one's gut was screaming with the impending collision. Their gut had been disabled." The tech. What many of you call the tech, I believe, destroys conscience. When you try and EM away all your reactions, what do you suppose happens? Could it be your normal range of emotions and responses is eventually destroyed? You are unable to be outraged. Everything becomes flat. You become like a robot, calculating and detached, rather than feeling deeply. You are told the tech broadens your emotional range. What if it doesn't? The next section is called what the education says it does and what it actually does. It says it promotes more reality-based thinking and operating by addressing blocks in perception and fears that stand between each of us and what we want. It's sold as a program to help you gain success. What it does is disconnect you more and more from your dreams by trying to convince you they are shallow fixations that will never bring joy. The only thing that will bring you joy is the abandonment of all your personal desires. Consequently, members become passionless and instead pursue the fixations of the organization's demands with fearful obedience. They are taught their problems are bottomless and require a never-ending pursuit of personal growth to save the world. Another result of the tech is to marginalize and minimize the importance of gut feelings and instinct. One is told to focus instead on logic, mechanics, what can be seen and proved. The knife, which is the knife of Aristotle, may be designed to perfect that detachment as opposed to being an actual media company. As such, many of the women have lost or are losing their innate ability to evaluate morality. How else can we explain women acting against their own best interests and even harming other women? 
their moral compass has been twisted upside down and backwards. They are taught that their intuition is merely part of the malaise they have. They are entitled, childish, immature, reactive humans in need of heavy discipline to be able to attain even a fraction of the discipline men have. The men are taught the same things of the woman, and that men are superior. The men are being used to enforce this code of female self-hatred. Because of the men's indoctrination, when the women do speak up about injustices, they're seen as complainers, victims, and emotionally hysterical women. They have effectively been discredited. Unfortunately, the most devout don't see a problem with this. They think this is perfectly normal. Human mutilation and the shattering of the psyche has been normalized. Their dazed and conditioned response to these things reminds me of the pilot episode of the TV show Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Now, I, I brought this up because a lot of movies and TV shows were used as you know, different examples during the education, so I was trying to show them how this worked with that particular show, hoping somebody would actually see it. So their dazed and conditioned response to these things reminds me of the pilot episode of the TV show Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. A group of women live in an underground bunker because their male leader has said the world has ended outside. It's a little doomsday group run by a fanatical misogynist. They're essentially little girls in women's bodies who never grew up and have been robbed of the best of their young years. One of the characters says to Kimmy Schmidt, it's like the Reverend Richard says, we're just garbage, Kimmy. And Kimmy nods in agreement. Funny and tragic. Daniel Shaw is a psychoanalyst who practices in New York City and specializes in cult recovery. I'm a great admirer of his. He has been treating over a dozen female Nixium slash ESP slash Jeunesse defectors, many in DOS. Here's a quote from him. I've been doing this work for many years. I'm nevertheless aghast at the level of contempt for women and cruelty towards women that is at the rotten core of this group. Ranieri succeeds in fulfilling his sadistic need to enslave others through a kind of battering, his twisted rationales convincing followers, and not just the woman, that self-torture and torture of others builds character. In fact, what he does is utterly self-serving, exploiting others entirely to feed the delusion of his own omnipotence. Those who have been brainwashed with Ranieri's hateful ideas about women will need time to free themselves from their conditioning, to be able to respect and trust themselves again. By the way, there's a reason psychologists and psychiatrists are generally not allowed in, and it's not because the tech will blow their mind. Maybe it's because they can see what's going on. Now, I wrote that because psychologists and psychiatrists were not allowed to come and take the education, and the reasoning we were told that if they took the education, it was so superior to what they were doing that they would never be able to go back to their practice without using the tech. So that was the reason they couldn't come, which I think was complete bullshit. I think in, in retrospect now, especially many years later, a number of people that were coaches in the organization went on to go and get their degrees in psychology. And they've all said to me, listen, he just stole all the shit. It's all in psychology. So I think that's the real reason. We would figure out what was actually going on. The next section is called Abandoned Morality. Now, this is heavy shit. Speaking of stuff that was going on, most people don't know this, but Keith Raniere was working with me one-on-one -on -one to relinquish my morality. He told me my attachment to morality was an impediment to my growth. Lauren, do you remember when I told you that? 
I wanted to see if you would be appropriately disturbed. You did a double take and asked me to repeat it. I told you again, he wants to work with me on relinquishing my morality. You basically glazed over, nodded your head, and went back to business as usual. That should have been your wake-up call. You should have been horrified. Why were you not? Because your normal human emotions had been hacked. You had decades ago EM'd away in normal response. True human outrage had died. Mysticism. How did that happen? Because of your mystical beliefs. You, Lauren, believe he has all the answers and you don't have the capacity to see the profound, true, bigger picture because he is so far beyond you. There is no bigger picture. There is only subterfuge and head-fucking, and now you do that to others. I told you once it's not healthy to treat him like a god, a deity who has answers that you can't possibly perceive. You couldn't even process my statement. Don't you see that's mysticism? You think he represents some grand unified principle that is beyond you. Well, maybe there is a unifying principle. Could it be undermining everything you want and care for? Maybe your Lord and Master wants you to never know where you stand, so you're always feeling insecure. Perhaps it's on purpose. You see, there's a fantastic trick at play in the organization. You are taught to abandon mysticism. You then believe you are no longer mystical and are now scientific. But mysticism is alive and well and being used against many of you. There was a moment I had with Keith Ranieri that truly stretched credulity. I think it was the same meeting where he suggested I was the chosen one to take over the kingdom, an act of utter desperation. He talked about the three ways he can look at people. He used the table in the sunroom as a metaphor. You know how he loves metaphors. He pointed to the table and explained, one, he can look at the surface of the table, the surface of a person, or two, he can look casually underneath the deeper aspects of a person, or number three, he can look deep underneath into the deepest hidden parts of the table, the person's hidden secrets and soul. That last one, he said with a feigned weight of responsibility. He said he could only do that with a person's permission. Then he paused and sighed. Now, I imagine it was supposed to have a certain effect on me, much like primitive people might have had seeing some magical technology, that I would gaze aghast at the power of the gods. Maybe I was supposed to suddenly be afraid you could see everything. But all that happened is my bullshit detector went off. You see, I'd figured out by then that he wanted to debunk the mysticism I came in with and transfer it over to him. So he would become the object of my fascination, deepest hopes and awe. That did happen for quite some time. But sitting in the small sunroom in 21 Oregon Trail, all I could think of was what a load of hogwash I'd just heard. Vaporous word salad. Many of you, especially the woman, believe he has some special powers over weather, karma, your soul, your health, your orgasms. Didn't that ever strike you as weird? Nancy, do you really believe, as you said to me, that sex with him could evolve a woman spiritually? That was something she said to me. I think it was perhaps in the last year that I was there. I was kind of confused by that. Anyway, Nancy, do you really believe, as you said to me, that sex with him could evolve a woman spiritually? Don't you think that's a bit silly? Especially when you poo-poo mysticism in front of everyone. How do you reconcile the scientific model you purport to teach and then the encouragement of girls to chantra with him, a.k.a. fuck him, because they'll achieve some kind of enlightenment, increased vibration or purity? Is it possible, 
It's just the activities of a sexual and power-addicted horn dog. I'm just posing the question. Remember Occam's razor. Remember when you told me Lauren had a bad reaction years ago when she found out how Keith Raniere spent his time, that it took her years to recover. Is that what you were talking about? Believing in the unseen is indeed the most dangerous thing in the world. Somehow, Nancy, you came to see him as a god, and you want others to do the same. There's a show I watched on CBS called SEAL Team. When the soldiers talk about their upcoming missions, they sometimes refer to a target or someone who is about to enact a terrorist act as a true believer. True believers are the most dangerous people the SEALs face because they cannot be reasoned with. They don't use logic. They believe in the unseen. They will die for the afterlife or mystical principle. They are on a mission from God and will do anything. Yes, anything. Nancy, that is what you have participated in creating. Fanatics. Claire said recently she would do anything to protect Keith Raniere. Anything. Everyone, please, please read books on high demand groups. It's all there. This is an age-old story. So that's the end of part two. It's, it's kind of bizarre, you know, reading it again, because so many of these ideas were, were so new to me, the sort of unraveling of my mind. It was, still, it was under a year still, and I was just unraveling things bit by bit. And it's kind of fascinating to take a look back. And, you know, I am at this point back in 2018, I am so upset and so angry um, about what has been done to all these women. And then I realize it's, 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 it was going on for years. What I mean, it, the on-ramp to these abuses was going on for years and years and years. And it brought up, and I'm not going to talk about all of it on, on the podcast, but certainly in, in my book, all these bizarre conversations that when I went back to look at them, I was like, wow, there was a clue, there was a clue, there was a clue. And I think, um, I think the thing we need to do as a society generally is like when there is a red flag, we have to not make it pink. We have to stop and say... Okay, that shit's fucked up. And, and there doesn't seem to be a good justification as opposed to what I think a lot of us are doing when we're in some kind of you know, spiritual or educational model is trying to see, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe they have a point and trying to see what that is. Like, really, we have to listen to our gut. So as I said, that's the end of part two. Part three will be coming soon. And um, it's going to get deeper and worse. So we will talk soon.